0: Welcome back, everybody. This is the you need to know from AgVisor Pro. And as we enter into the holiday season, I'm just going to preface the fact that uh, if you jump on the app and you ask a question, not just any question, but the best question, they've got a $500 Christmas bonus that they're going to pay out. So kind of an incentive to get some participation from everybody. So if you're following them on social media, you've probably seen it, but if you aren't, you heard it here. And uh, we got Who some couldn't? good good, bud questions, right?
1: <laughs> right. Who couldn't use a Christmas bonus? Yeah, I, I don't care what circumstance you're in. Um, so if you don't use the app currently, there are links in the show notes to the podcast. So you can find the AgVisor Pro app and download it. So speaking of good questions, I've kind of been holding on to this one for a while because we've got another show where we brought in a guest, one of the AgVisor Pro experts that's out there actively answering questions. And and so let me preface this with the question, and then let's bring in and introduce our guest. So this question comes from earlier, earlier this fall, matter of fact, on Halloween of this year, asking, what is the best slow-release FOSS product, especially for soils low in pH and high in aluminum? Generally, these are conditions that lead to rapid tie-up of standard map. And so it's, it's a great question because it's something that I currently deal with in the soils I have in my area of southwestern North Dakota, but it's also existing other places because this question comes all the way from Alberta and a lot of people from the south, southern U.S., have answered this question. And so we have an expert that hails all the way from southwestern georgia to help us answer this question so we have luke johnson an agronomist in georgia on the that you need to know with us (laughs) to to kind of talk through this and hey we've been talking off air some but uh you know luke just what's what's your take on a low soil ph situation and how would you rectify aluminum tie-up for phosphate is is it having some type of slow release product or are there other practices that would kind of fit that bill better
2: yeah yeah good morning guys so yeah the best kind of the the better way that we found that you could reliably do it without you know any any special product that you got to hunt down and somebody impregnate on fertilizer or blend here and there is um is banding polyphosphate we've we've had good luck with that and Primarily, you know, before you start that is getting the pH right. Having your pH of your soil above a 6.0, I mean 6.5, 6.5 to a 6.8 is probably better. I realize that pushing things to a 6.8 probably doesn't fit for everybody, but certain um, certain conditions, if you're going to push your, uh, maybe a strong nitrogen program, it might be better off to, to start a little bit high, finish up, you know, still stay within range.
1: So, yeah, really the 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 first place a person should look, and I know that's why they're asking this question, is not every place in the world has an available lime source that is economically and logistically, or how was that? A, the other night we, we talked about a different kind of triangle, so I'm veering off here. You know how you have the disease triangle where you have the pathogen, the environment, the host, yeah, there you go. So that, that makes your disease triangle, well, there's an agronomy triangle too. That's agronomy, logistics, and economics. If those things can't all come together, maybe you don't do those applications. And I know that's why it's very likely this person is asking this question, but solving your pH is going to solve a lot of issues. Yeah. Be- yeah because sure. it's not just a phosphate thing at that point. I mean, there's almost everything else uh, micronutrient-wise is is going to have those same issues, right?
2: That's absolutely right because... Several of those elements can either be toxic or be, you know, or be at a deficiency level if you can't get your pH right. So that's the foundation of of everything else. And we're fortunate. We've got a a reliable lime source within a half an hour of us. And I'd say that for the most part, you can, you can field dump lime for less than $30 a ton. Uh, That's dolomite. So, you know, application is not really anything from there some guys apply their own some guys pay to have it applied but still very affordable at that price or to me it is anyway
0: how soon do you see on your soils that you can start moving your numbers because when you're when you're low you have that i mean it was mentioned in the question that aluminum toxicity mm. i mean i i'm just curious is your if it's uh it's a, sh- a shorter time is it longer time uh yeah. what have you seen
2: so and We've done some pretty extensive testing there. Um, 60 days seems to be kind of that sweet spot where you're getting in that 70% range of the efficacy of what you apply. You know, I know that the overall thumb is 90 days um, and that is a good number. But that, you know, if you've got 60 days, you can move the needle to where it needs to go for the most part. It'll finish up before you do a lot of heavy applications. But really anything else that's going to further acidify the soil. I
0: mean, the reason I asked that is because it's... Uh... If you don't kind of planning ahead in that time frame, that's probably why you're asking the question of what slow release product because yeah. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do that instead.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, I, that, that it does get you into a pinch if you wait until you've already you know already planted and or, you know or right ahead of it, um, you could get yourself in a pinch there because just like I said, creating the pH is something that's fairly simple that you can do. Granted, you have all the <laughs> to a triangle that are, that are <laughs> in green, right? But, um, yeah, no, for sure. And then, you know, on, on another token, I brought up, you know, banning the phosphorus. That's simple if, you, if you're if you set up for it. If you're not set up for it, you know, that can pose a little bit of a question. But if you're not, I'd argue that you should be because long-term, it's going to pay dividends. Even if you don't think you've got a phosphorus problem, I think that most people, if, if they would... You know, switch over to a band. They would see that uh, they may because you don't have to see a uh, a phosphorus deficiency in your in your corn or, or any other crop that you're growing to just because you don't see the deficiency showing up in the leaves. Um, or if you do and you you apply your phosphorus and you correct it, you still already done some damage. There's other things that it does as far as you know stimulating better root growth and just a healthier plant and a stronger stalk you know you don't you don't want to give up some of those things in quality for that matter so it's uh there are other things there i think we've all probably seen and i bring up corn because it's one of those telltale signs with the you know the purple color and so forth on it and mm-hmm. the, the stunted growth other crops I've, I've dealt with don't quite have a, as a, a pronounced you know, visual of a deficiency but Man, I know this, if, you, if you've if you already gotten to that deficiency range, you're swimming behind the boat, you're trying to catch up because that plant's life is so short relatively, and you just, even if you correct it, it's, I believe you've, you've cost yourself bushels or pounds or whatever it may be, bags of potatoes for that matter, so it's important to not get behind.
1: Right, right, exactly. So if you see a deficiency, it, it's too late at that point to rectify the situation that can bring you back to wherever you're projected yield may have sat you know and the banding situation is interesting because in those of us in small grains country so just across the whole northern plains banding is an everyday thing for small grains because that is how we get our phosphate on that way but the corn thing is a great way to to talk about this because we also have a lot of corn growers and a lot of us don't have banding on on our corn planters So a lot of us aren't running a two-by-two, at least in North Dakota, where we're at. We usually just run a starter, which you're very limited to the amount of FOSS you can put on in that circumstance. And so you're not going to see that that's literally all it's for is a starter, not a actual banded application to keep it concentrated and protect it, you know, keep it more available from aluminum fixing on it, say, if it were just broadcast and less concentrated out in the soil
2: yeah yeah and i've you know the, the recent years there's there's been a resurgence or at least some of the research that I've, that I've looked at and different with the whole push for being more sustainable and i'm all for that because as a, as a farmer as an agronomist nobody wants to just throw money to the wind there's, there's not money there to do it or even if there was why would you do that right so like you say a, a, a band a true band and then with the the recent development of and push and it's not that recent but it's you're seeing more of it at an affordable level but you know before where you went to the you went to your local co-op or whatever and you ordered a load of 1034 um, polyphosphate that'd be a kind of a standard um you know starter fertilizer that we'd use i call it starter and, and but we would ban that and it depends on on your program and your samples but you know one common Uh, rate that that we use here would be somewhere in that 12 to 15 gallon range, you know, banded two by two. Um, but when I say the the advent of some new things, a few different people now have developed a few different companies, um, you know, some of these OFOS products or orthoFOS products that they're using. And you can get away with spraying some of that stuff directly over top of the sea. I mean, even in the furrow, if you don't have a band, that you, I would argue that you should, like I said before, but you can. Um, set up like a spray tip and spray that stuff at, at certain rates, and I, I would suggest that it's product by product and you investigate that. But I've done some work with it, and it's certainly far better than nothing. Um, I've played around with it trying to just find out where the economic level was, and this is in different crops. But it um, it is a another tool in a in a program that's already set up and running, right? So it by itself, I'm not suggesting that spraying that over the the rate that you could use over top of your seed that'd be safe will suffice for what you need, right? But it could work in concert with a program you already have. I, if you're spreading out, going out there with MAP or, or DAP, and you're, you're doing, or even if you could find some TSP or something you're, and you're, you're putting that stuff out broadcast, I think that the, if you if you really look and you pull petiole samples um, weekly, you're gonna see that you're leaving more of your FOSS out there than than you think because we do, we pull almost every deal that I do. We pull samples weekly and that is something plant available faucet. And that's, that's another thing. So if you're just relying on what the soil sample says, um, if you, you think soil test faucet, and again, we we were talking a little bit here and there, but it depends on what sample extraction method you're using. Soil test faucet and plant available faucet, soluble plant faucet you can take up is not the same thing.
1: Well, and that's why we wanted to ask you, to come on, not just because he answered the question, Luke, uh on the app here over a month ago or, well, more than that now, but you're a potato agronomist too. And so you have a lot of hands-on experience with seeing a lot of soil samples, a lot of tissue samples. I mean, just working with that crop alone, you, you deal with a lot of intensive management and have a lot of very direct insight on what happens when you don't manage your pH and yeah. phosphorus availability. What
0: is just just for listener's sake, Luke? What is typical pH that you're dealing with in your area? Just curious.
2: So, as far as what you know, if if a field's been it's just recently been sampled and it's um, you know maybe it's, it hadn't been aligned in a couple of years, it'd be in the five nine to six zero range, probably maybe five eight to six zero. And we we intensive sample everything here because we get between 50 and 70 inches of rain every year. And your pH is something that, like I said before, you can fairly easily correct. And you spend a few bucks an acre grid sampling, or if you don't want a grid sample, if you want a zone sample, however you want a sample, whatever, You know, we could have a whole discussion about some of those different things. But um, we push everything to a 6.5. And natively out of, out of new ground, if you look at a map of Seminole, Decatur County, georgia you'll see that there's not a lot of new ground left that we can develop we've done a pretty good job of developing what we have already <laughs> but um if you were to take someone out of new ground it'd be mid fours um coming straight out of pines okay um i i, I had a stat because uh, I, I like stats and i thought it was neat and i tried to preface this by looking but I, do you mind if i share this with y'all i thought this was kind of absolutely so i mean who doesn't like good stats because i do um but and i would have been wrong if i had guessed this and i didn't know it once upon a time but i would have thought that maybe iron would have been the most abundant element in the earth crust but i'd be wrong it's aluminum and it says that seven percent of the mass of the crust is aluminum consisting of a six and two-thirds inch depth um of soil which in one acre would be two million pounds a little math here so seven percent of that volume would be a hundred and forty thousand pounds of aluminum or seventy thousand parts per million, if that's the way you go, um, mm-hmm. in that top root zone, one acre of soil. I mean, and if, like you know, we were talking before about aluminum. Um, it sounds pretty cool if you're you're making a truck out of it or something in a <laughs> Talk About it being your soil, it's not good. And uh, if you if you ever find yourself growing a crop, this this you know got a real sensitivity to certain metals. Um, you get that soluble formula, formulation of aluminum, which is toxic, and it's got a, it's got a, uh, um, uh, it's got three positive electrons. You can lose a lot of your material that won't ever even come back into solubility until your grandkids, grandkids. You know, are out there farming. It, mm-hmm. You're just gonna lose it. It's gonna tie up and it's gonna bind so tight, and you can correct the pH. But it's like that's why you see. And it, you can run all these different extraction methods you want. But if you don't have your pH tribe and you start you going out there and you're trying to build your land and you, you consider it an investment. You're just going to always come up with a kind of a frown on your face or like what happened? You won't because you
1: won't get back that applied fertility. You not, won't not, in, won't not in not in your back. lifetime. Yeah. So No, that's a that that is a great yeah. statistic and and so just to reiter- reiterate your point on that is there is so much aluminum in your soil natively all over the world no matter where you are pH is kind of the unlocker of solubilizing that. And so the more that acidifies, the more aluminum is soluble, the more soluble aluminum, and if you get that correct charge, that could really give you some major issues. And I don't believe there's a single product that exists that can help rectify that situation as an amendment outside of lime to allow the slow release of phosphate directly. And and no. so you no. and so that that was just kind of where you know in summary there p h correcting p h is the biggest thing you can do in lime is the way to do it, but there are little band aid things like banding phosphorus, and it just working through that and and really it all comes back to lime when you wanna it, have
2: the Another stat there, not to cut you off. I, I certainly don't mean to. It, so I thought it was interesting. What you're saying fits right into what I what I want to sh- share here, and it was it was interested interesting if you if you think. And this is this is another stat, and I can share references if need be. But um, it says that typically crops can only access 25 percent of the phosphorus that's applied, not soil tested. That's applied. Um, so if you think about that regard, think about whatever you're putting. Now, you're only getting 25% of that that's available to you. Um, don't you want to put use a product in a way that you can get 35% or 45% or any number above 25%, right? Mm-hmm. So, I, I just thought that was neat. You're talking about um, the, the same subject there and how that relates. So, I thought it was interesting.
1: No, absolutely. And the price of phosphate now is so expensive. Why would you play around with things that aren't proven? And and so podcast sake, it's a lot of <laughs> to think about, and that's that's the you need to know. So well, if,
0: you, if you ask a great question, there's five hundred dollars you can apply toward lime just by getting on the Agvisor Pro. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
1: that would buy i buy a couple acres right there. So you absolutely, heard it. get on the app and ask questions. We'll see you guys.